Boy, these cameras are small. I'm about to switch them. Uh, great. Yeah, I'll leave it. I, I have half and half of my screen, so it looks smaller on mine, I guess. Uh, all right. The uh, damn it. Okay. Uh, yes. I'm going to start with a yes. The, uh, the national championship game is set. And like I said last night on the playback before the or during the first game, we are a long ways away from uh, from Kansas, North Carolina, the national championship. No offense to uh, San Diego State. Respect. And I didn't mean anything by UConn because UConn, you know, we've we've seen them here many a times. But uh, let's start with the first game from last night, which was San Diego State FAU, and I think FAU looked like they were going to win this game for about. 35 minutes probably. Yeah. Uh, up 14 at one point. Ended up uh, giving it away. So. We got to remember what I said about FAU going in. They outscored their opponents in the final 10 minutes of every game. And in this game, they got outscored by seven. Yeah. Yeah. 18-11. So, I mean, San Diego State stayed with it. Obviously, Matt Bradley didn't play very well going into this Going into this game, his, his few games before this were not great. They needed him. He had 21, uh, hit five shots, five for 12 from the field. So they needed him to get going. Uh, there was the weird thing where San Diego State was getting every single offensive rebound on free throws. <laughs> yeah. They had 12 offensive boards, uh, and they missed nine free throws. So, I mean, I don't really think FAU – did FAU give the game away? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think they gave the game away. I just think San Diego State's defense finally stepped up to you know, what they were and, you know, hit a miracle shot at the buzzer. So, I would say FAU played this game like they played every single game in the tournament. Um, haven't they been behind most games, though? They were. Yeah, that was the difference. Game, yeah, so. that was the difference. Yeah. But statistically... They made nine threes. They'd been making eight or nine in every game. Yeah, they got to be the only ter- uh, team in in the history to get to a Final Four that made either eight or nine threes in every single game, like that exact number. Yeah, uh, I mean, if there's there couldn't be a team that's made five or six in every game. It's just they either made eight or they made nine. Yeah. No in between. Uh, and San Diego State, you're probably not going to see them shoot fifty percent from three very often. Nine for eighteen. Obviously, it helps when Matt Bradley. Makes four. Um, I mean, Elijah Martin was good at 26. I would actually say great. Uh, seven for 13 shooting. Yeah. John L. Davis, you probably expect a little bit more out of him, given the fact that he scored 29 in the second round and 15 against Tennessee and double figures in every game, only at eight here. I think that's probably more so of a, uh, you know, he's a six foot four guy playing the three, and you're playing a team that plays elite defense. So, I mean, you probably run into some trouble there. I don't think that's that surprising. One thing that was a little bit surprising for me, I guess it's because Florida Atlantic doesn't really get in the paint very often unless it's golden, is that San Diego State only had two blocks. Uh, Mensa had one block. He had he was blocking a lot of shots going into this game. He had three against Creighton, five against Alabama, and two in the other three or the other two tournament games. So like that was a bit of a surprise. They only had two blocks. Yeah, his his only block was uh, on a three, too. Yeah, and you look at like the experience factor. I think also helps down the stretch for San Diego State in a game like this because the Final Four is such a different environment and feel than any other tournament game, especially the, like the Final Four 
because of the the venue is right. different. The state, it, everything just feels different. Uh, and that's one thing that sets apart, you know, what the tournament is before this. But, I mean, you look up and down San Diego State, Bradley's a fifth-year senior. Lamont Butler is a junior that's played three years, and he's played a lot of minutes in two of those three years. Trammell uh, is in his third year of at this level, but obviously played before that, and he was at Seattle. Mensa is a fifth-year senior. And then uh, Keyshawn Johnson is in his fourth year and played a lot of minutes in three of those four years. So that's their five starters. And then you look up and down Florida Atlantic, Elijah Martin, third year, listed as a sophomore, only played big minutes the last two years. John L. Davis, third year, same thing. Uh, Nick Boyd is a freshman, but it's the second season, and he's playing a lot more minutes. I'm assuming that they're all listed as this because of the COVID year or something. I, I don't know what, <laughs> Who knows? what Ken Pop's doing to me here, but uh, Brian Greenlee apparently was at Minnesota. Don't remember that at all. It's his fourth season. Yeah. Did did I say like Minnesota, their old team had five guys playing in the Elite Eight or six guys in the Elite Eight from like a, if they would have all stayed together, it would have still been at Minnesota. That feels right. That feels right. Um yeah, I mean, just a just a a wild game with a wild finish. Uh, I think if you're the NCAA, you're probably happy. Yeah, that you got this. Um, definitely, definitely happy you got this. And then the the second game was a snoozer, and everybody could go to bed early. So, yeah, you know, Miami UConn, kind of a typical UConn game in this tournament where they just have too much. It's just yeah. too much. They do, they just have so many weapons. They they're just I want to say that they're they're well coached, and I know that you're gonna love me saying that, but just their actions and the way they move, it, everything's with a purpose. It seems every guy knows what they need to do. Uh, Top tier blobs. So that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean let's let's put it this way. Final score was seventy two fifty nine. That's about right. Probably should have been like 15, but that's all right. Uh, and if Adama Sonogo is going to go two for three, three from three, then I think you're done. Yeah, yeah. When he started off hitting hitting those early. He can do it, a- but it's just, you know, you don't really expect it from a guy who looks like Kofi Coburn if Kofi yeah. were a little bit smaller. I think that he said he'd they he's made he's made some this year, but he's had it was his first one since January or something. Or yep. S- like he hadn't made one since January. Well, he made one on March 1st, but before that it was early, early February. Okay. Gotcha. Let's put it this way. Uh, He would have been Illinois' best three-point shooting percentage player this season at 36.5. I'm pretty sure that's higher than (laughs) Fort Meyer finished. So (laughs) yeah, there you go. And, and Miami is just, uh, they're just a sloppy team and, and UConn pulled out the slop for them. So missed 14 layups. Is that right? Yeah. 13, 13 for 42 inside the arc. Not good. They shot a better percentage from three. One thing that they have though, is they shot a hundred percent from the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, this wasn't a coaching mismatch, but this was a style mismatch. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying because obviously Larry is a really good coach, but 
Yeah, I think that you just look at the experience and then the mix of the guys that have come in and not been in these spots before, like Joey Calcaterra's from San Diego. He played there last year. They weren't in this spot. Alex Caravan's a freshman. Tristan Newton's coming over from East Carolina. And then you also have the guys that have been in the tournament before at UConn but haven't had success. That's Sonogo. That's Jackson. Um, and then Donovan Klingen is a guy that I saw a tweet last night that said that Donovan Klingen would be drafted in the first round if he entered the draft this year. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of a little bit of a reason why it's confusing as to how the NBA teams and scouts view players, but I'm going to try to find the tweet so I can read what it said. Uh, but I know that I re- <coughs> I saw a response to it. That's how I saw the tweet in the first place where, uh, of course, Ant Wright said Walker Kessler is going to get this dude overdrafted because Walker <laughs> Kessler's been terrific in the NBA to this point. Yeah. Um, Sam uh, Vesini, Vesini, he writes about basketball for The Athletic. NBA. He's not a basketball, in- he writes about it, right? Yeah, Brian Hodgson's the new basketball at Arkansas State, but other than that, uh, he he writes about the NBA and the NBA draft. He said, guys, I'm telling you, if Donovan Klingon enters this draft, there's no way some NBA team isn't taking him in the first round. He's seven foot two. The movement is legit impressive. Yeah. The per possession production is insane, and the defensive metrics when he's on the court are wild. So that's a guy that you can for a guy that played 13 minutes. Exactly. Rebounds and four points, so. but the numbers look great apparently. And obviously he blocks shots. That says a lot about this UConn team when, uh, what is Klingon probably like their ninth best player. Yeah. Probably eighth best player would have been a first round pick or it could be a first round. Pick. I mean, I don't think I'm pretty sure he'll come back and probably be all big East kind of like Kalkbrenner style for Creighton, but yeah. Yeah, I just think that this UConn team is uh, – I think the best thing that could have happened to them was uh, starting five and six in the Big East. I think that's probably the best thing that could have happened to them because they were 14-0 and 0 and 3-0 and 0 to start, and they hit a wall. Yeah. And uh, ever since being five and six and 16-6 and six overall, they're now 14-2 and, and two since that. So – and I don't think that they're – I don't want to spoil the national championship preview part yet, but I feel like this game might be out of control. Ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you got to hope that the the defense – Miami doesn't play much defense. Um, no, but I don't think it matters. But I just – yeah, it just seemed like UConn had Miami playing with their hair on fire the whole game. And when you get long and pack – those guys kind of get a little, little quick, a little out of control. Um, that's why UConn dominated this game, I think. Yeah, this will be the San Diego State defense will be their third real test defensive against a defensive team that's good efficiency wise. Obviously, San Diego is better than anybody that they've played defensively in terms of the metrics. Uh, St. Mary's was a top ten defense; they scored seventy on them. And Arkansas was a top 20 defense. They scored 88 on them. So I think the the difference here between San Diego State and Arkansas is the experience level and the fact that they are just much more of a defensive identity team. But also UConn is that too. Like Dan Hurley is a defensive coach. And 
I, um, that's what they have so many weapons and then they play good defense on top of it. So yeah. And they have a lot of guys that can handle the ball and make plays. Yeah. That's a big thing. Like Tristan Newton had eight assists. Andre Jackson had four. Naheem Aline had three. And uh, I mean, 19 assists on 28 field goals is pretty elite. And it's a, uh, it's a different level because UConn has reached a different level in this tournament. And we are in the midst of, what could possibly end up being the most dominant run ever because they've just been – they're averaging – I think their deficit right now is averaging 20.6 yeah. over their opponents. So I would think that this trend is probably going to continue. Uh, I mean, they fit the bill of a nat- – they're the only team left that fits the bill of a national champion, which is from a metric standpoint, I guess being in a power conference probably helps from yeah. from that, you know – standpoint and they have pros jordan hawkins is a pro donovan Klingon is a pro uh, andre jackson's probably going to get a shot somewhere i mean sonogo if he can shoot the three who knows uh but we'll see i mean i think i think the fact that they held a miami team that had been scoring at the level they've been scoring <laughs> they went 85 89 88 going into this game and they scored 59 yeah uconn can just suck teams in and if they do that against San Diego State, then I think that it's going to be like 65 to 32 at one point, you know? <laughs> so no disrespect to San Diego State, but I I would almost, and I hope they don't hear this, but I would almost hear that there's a thing. I would almost say there's a 0% chance that San Diego State wins this game. I mean, seriously, like it, they're not winning. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. Um I, I just think that UConn's too too much. Um, as good as San Diego State's defense can be, UConn can hurt you in multiple different ways. Um, I mean, know. FAU scored 71 against San Diego State. So. Yeah. yeah. And FAU's scoring mostly comes from three or throwing it to a seven-footer that doesn't have as much offensive skill as Sonogo, even though Sonogo's only 6'9", but Sonogo can handle anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you have to respect him around the perimeter, then you're you're just you're done. And Andre Jackson has probably been the most important player on this run. Yeah, if it tells you anything, the spread for the UConn Miami game was five, and the spread for the UConn San Diego State game is seven. So, which almost feels disrespectful to UConn. That feels low. <laughs> it seems low. I think it should be like ten and a half. <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, uh, I think the the women. This is the first time in a long time where the women's national championship is probably more compelling than the men's. Not not for me per se, but I think for a lot of people. Yeah, especially since the Big Ten's about to be back in full it's force. Since true. we the Big Ten, I mean, right now the Big Ten has some dying programs, aka Michigan, <laughs> because Kobe Bufkin is foregoing his eligibility and leaving. So I think that says a lot about their roster construction and where they're at of this season that he didn't even keep his eligibility. Michigan Michigan Twitter account posted it. Really? Yeah. Kobe Bufkin has elected to forego his remaining eligibility and enter the 2023 NBA draft. They're going nowhere fast. And that tells you right there. So Jawan Howard is going to hear a lot of noise in the next year. Anyway, who cares about them? Uh, Hunter Dickens is going to Illinois. Uh, all right, UConn, San Diego State, Monday night, stage is set. I mean, if you're on the East Coast, 
you got to be a little bit annoyed that it's a 920 tip. 1030. Yeah, <laughs> Holy hell. Insane. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying yesterday in the playback. Well, the game will be over in an hour. Probably. <laughs> That's true. You only got to watch a little bit of it. first. Time. I mean, this is as big of a – I'm going to look at the Ken Palm – just the last few national championships and the difference in ranking. Because right now UConn's number one on Ken Palm mm-hmm. and San Diego State is 14th. 2022, Kansas was three. Okay, so it's ex- the exact same as last year. Kansas was three. North Carolina was 16. So that's 13 spots. Back-to-back years with a 13-spot difference between the uh, national championship teams. 2021, we had one versus two, Gonzaga-Baylor. And then three and four were... Of course, Big Ten teams, as was number seven and number 11 and number 14. The Big Ten had five top 15 Ken Palm teams <laughs> in 2021, and the only one that got to the Elite Eight was Michigan. <laughs> Michigan was three, Illinois was four, Iowa was seven, Ohio State 11, Wisconsin 14. I mean, that is insane. Uh, 2019, we had Virginia and Texas Tech. That was one versus five on Ken Palm. 2018, we had uh, Villanova. And uh, Villanova, Michigan, which was one versus seven. 2017, we had North Carolina and Gonzaga, I believe. Is that that sounds right? Yeah, uh, that was that was actually one versus three, and Gonzaga was number one, and they lost. Uh, 2016, we had Villanova, North Carolina, that was one versus two. 2015, we had Wisconsin, Duke, that was two versus three. And I don't think that these rankings dramatically change after the championship game. So going into the game, I'm sure the rankings are similar. Uh, 2014, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. 2014, who the hell played in 2014? Uh, no, I don't know that. UConn, Kentucky, I believe. Uh, UConn, Kentucky, and that was 13 versus 15. Because Kentucky, that was an 8 versus a 7 in the national championship. So if you think 4 versus 5 is weird... We had an eight versus seven nine years ago, and the seven seed won, and that was just so happens to be the four seed this year. Um, 2013, we had Louisville, Michigan. That was one versus four. 2012, I'm only going to go back to 20. I'll go back to 2002. Why not? Uh, <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, 2012 was uh, – 2012, that was Anthony Davis, Kentucky. That was Kentucky and Kansas. That was one versus four. You should you should pull pull up the national champion matchups by years. So just just in case I get one wrong. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Uh, Twenty eleven was UConn, Kentucky. I think. No, that couldn't have been. No, because Kentucky played twenty fourteen. Twenty eleven was UConn and. Uh... Oh God! I'm going to get on. Twenty eleven, UConn and. Uh, crap team. Team that shouldn't have been there. UConn and uh, uh, UConn, North Carolina. No. I don't even. Butler. Just gonna, okay. Yeah. Oh, God. How did I forget that? Uh, 2010 was Butler and Duke. That was one versus 12. So 13 is the biggest gap we've seen so far. And that happened the last two years. Uh, 2009 was uh, North Carolina, Michigan State, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was one versus nine. 2008 was uh, Kansas, Memphis, one versus two. 07 was Florida and 
North Carolina, no, Florida, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That was two versus three. 06 was Florida and Florida UC, Florida UCLA. Okay. Yeah. That was one versus seven. I guess we'll say 2005. 2005 was Illinois, North Carolina. That was one versus two. Bullshit. 2004, this is where it gets a little lost for me, but I believe 2004 was... 2004 was UConn and... I don't think you're going to get this. I can get it. UConn (laughs) and... UConn. UConn. Xavier? No. Xavier had a good year that year, though. It's not It's not a team that you would expect to make the national championship. What seed were they? I don't know. I don't have the seeds. Uh, UConn. It was It was UConn. So so what happened was that UConn ended up playing like, like a team. Georgia Tech? Yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I only knew that because it said they played 38 games. <laughs> All right, 03, 03. 03 was uh, – Jesus, I don't even remember who won in 03. Uh, Your boy. Kansas. Your favorite coach now. Oh, yeah, Bayheim. Mm-hmm. I forgot about Bayheim and Syracuse. and uh, Syracuse beat uh, Kansas for sure. Yep. All right, and the last one, 02. 02. Last Big Ten champion. 02 was, uh, well, they weren't in the Big Ten. But I know. 02 was Maryland, right? Nope. Over. Over. Another Big Ten squad. Yeah. The Hoosiers went 25 and 12 that year. So that was, I forgot the whole purpose of this. That was three versus six. And, <laughs> you were uh, uh, doing the differences in <laughs> rankings. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what did I say? 03 was Syracuse. Okay. So that was two versus eight. And then I forgot to do 04, which was 04. While it was Georgia Tech in there, they were three seats. They were good. Yeah. But that was uh, 04 was uh, two versus uh, eight. So. The gap has never been 13 <clears throat> except for this year and last year. Even though I think if San Diego State plays well, even if they win, they the gap will be lower than 13. So essentially this is this is the this was the craziest final four we've probably ever seen, but national championship wise there's precedent for this. Precedent, sorry, I you know, used the wrong word there. <laughs> uh same same sound but just a different, you know, the C and the S, of course. Um and All the right. E and the I. Uh, but the craziest Final Four, yes. National Championship, though, we've seen stuff like this before. Like four versus five is not as crazy as seven versus eight. And seven versus eight was nine years ago. The only difference was it was Kentucky as an eight and UConn as a seven. This yeah. is San Diego State as a five. And San Diego State, as we alluded to in the last show, <clears throat> they've, had, they've won a lot of games under Brian Dutcher, but... In terms of program history, let me just uh, find this here. Uh, in terms of program history, it's not the best of the best. Where the hell is the paper? Here it is. Jesus. <laughs> Got too many binders. I have a ton of stuff over here. I haven't even looked at most of it for like two weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, 15, 15 tournament appearances and only got to the Sweet 16 three times. And uh, one of those was this year, and the other two were in the 2010s. And uh, 
Yeah, and I think some teams that – if you look at the, the year 2020 where we didn't have a tournament, there were teams that kind of got robbed of either not getting the chance to play in the tournament or that's the, actually the only thing that happened to them. Um, <laughs> but San Diego State's one of those teams that's kind of gotten back, you know, because they were 30-2 and two that year. One team that I still feel bad for that – Really hasn't even gotten close is Dayton. I mean, Dayton that year was going to be a one seed. They were twenty nine and two. They their offense was high flying. They were fun. They had Obi Toppin. They had Jalen Crutcher. That that team could have gone on a really deep run, and they haven't gotten back since. Another team that didn't get back until this year was Penn State. They were going to be a pretty formidable. They were probably going to be a six seed that year. They ended up getting back this year. Obviously, we've seen Illinois get back when they were going to be in that year, and then they have obviously gotten back and still refused to get to the uh, to the second weekend, but that's all right. Um, BYU would have been a five that year, according to Ken Palm. They were twenty four and eight. They haven't really gotten back. Louisville, obviously, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with Louisville. Uh, actually, I do know what the deal is. They suck. <laughs> and their coach. Let me find this tweet for you. Their uh... coach. Assistant coach Nolan Smith, former terrific guard at Duke, uh, just a super stupid tweet. Uh, first of all, the the idea of the mid range shot not being a good shot is not something that you say in a situation where you are down one at the buzzer. You have to take the shot. Right. So, who I don't know who Poo Jeter is. I don't know who the hell that is. Uh, some sort of person that sent this tweet. One yeah. dribble pull up and analytics say mid range is a bad shot. They don't know. And then four laughing faces with the heads tilted. Um, and Nolan Smith said analytic guys would have wanted a step back three. What it, 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 it was the end of it. I, what do you, I know <laughs> that your ass is not talking shit when your team just went four and 27. Wouldn't don't analytic guys rather you go to the basket and, Here's what Kevin Sweeney said. <laughs> I assume the quote analytic guys know enough math to know that two and three mean the same thing in a one point game with the clock expired. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like that tweet is just, it, you're just, and that's coming for, I'm sorry, but there have been so many coaches at end of game possessions that have had guys shoot step back threes. There's no analytic guy out there saying that's a good shot. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, it, you're, you're down by one and the clock is expiring. You just, yeah. you, you, I don't understand why we shouldn't even, I, Nolan Smith is a great player, but don't even tweet about college basketball this year. Okay. How about you get busy maybe trying to build a, help build a team and not relying <laughs> on a guard who quit on his team three right. months into the season. You just won four games and you're talking shit about quote, analytic guys which is just like it, it's stupid you're just tweeting it to tweet it it's dumb it yeah. makes no sense you're losing credibility i mean you coach at louisville who's a disaster of a program uh florida state has made the tournament a couple of times they really haven't gotten back though since 2020 in terms of being where they were at that time which is a likely two seed and you know who's kind of really fallen off the rails since covid is the acc regular season you remember when the ACC regular season didn't completely suck at the bottom? Mm-hmm. Like Pitt was the worst team in the ACC three years ago. They really weren't that bad. They were bad, but they weren't that bad. But then after that, 
COVID has kind of killed that because ever since then you had Boston College, Wake Forest, and Miami all won five games or less in 2021 in the ACC. And obviously NC State went four and 16 in the ACC last year. And then this year, I mean, Louisville and Notre Dame were historically bad, but shout out to the ACC. Shout out to Louisville. Louisville's back, apparently. As long as they don't rely on those analytic guys, you know? <laughs> Louisville was never down one point with the clock expiring. They were down 100 points with the clock expiring. Um, but, I mean, you look at the metrics here. San Diego State's offense is 68th in efficiency. UConn's is third. And here's where the, the that's where the big mismatch is. But matchup-wise, I mean, UConn's defense is eighth in efficiency and San Diego State's is fourth. So when UConn has the ball, you have the number three efficient offense against the number four efficiency defense. And when San Diego State has the ball, you have the number 68 efficiency offense against the number eight efficiency defense. So I think UConn is going to have to do a little bit of uh, hoping and praying on, on in this game that UConn or that San Diego State is going to have to do. San Diego State's going to have to do a little bit of hoping and praying that UConn doesn't make shots, I guess, would be. Because I don't really like UConn move, moves way too well with or without the ball. Yeah, where I think you're kind of screwed either way, especially when they're all playing like this, and they've all been playing like this for a while now. So, and UConn kind of feels <clears throat> unbeatable with these uniforms in this setting. I know they lost to Xavier wearing these uniforms. Other than that, these uniforms have been as elite as elite gets. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Dan Hurley. <clears throat> This would be a big title for my uh, for myself. Really, would be would kind of be where I'm at on it. Looking out for yourself, that boy. Yeah, this would be a big one for me. Uh, you know, being the Hurley guy that I am, I kind of I, I always thought that Dan Hurley had the better chance of the two, but I didn't think he would. I guess get there before Bobby Hurley even got I thought Bobby Hurley would at least get to like a second weekend at Arizona State, but it is Arizona State, so sure. whatever. I, UConn's obviously better. But, uh, yeah, Dan Hurley uh, really redeeming himself after the last couple of years where he had some good teams and couldn't get out of the first round. So got out of the first round twice at Rhode Island, though, so shout out to him for that. Uh, UConn, San Diego State, Jim Nance. Uh, last hoorah for Jim Nance. Yeah, sad deal. And uh, my dog's barking still, and I'm probably gonna have to go get him. Uh, <laughs> you also so have uh, you also have uh, uh, the Masters with Jim Nance coming up. That's good. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, all right, uh, I'm taking UConn to win this game. I'm gonna go 89 to 42. <laughs> There's the final score. Uh, yeah. I'll take – I'm going to take UConn also. Um, I'm going to be more realistic. I'm going to say uh, 72 to 59. Is that the same score that Miami – That was the same with? score, yeah. 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 All right. Give me that again. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, right. But, yeah, we'll be we'll be back here after – probably directly after the game to talk for – uh, talk about it for about 10 minutes, probably, which is what we usually do. It might be five minutes if the score is what I say the score is going to be. True. Sure. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to go on playback for the national championship yet. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I'll say, I'll give you, a, I'll say 22% chance that I do. So pretty good odds. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will be back after the national championship game.
Go Huskies. Uh, Dan Hurley, get it done. This is a legacy title for me. This is for my legacy. So hopefully we can get it done. If not, I could spin zone into saying that I'm a Brian Dutcher guy. He was a grad assistant in Illinois, so I'm obviously a big Brian Dutcher guy. Everybody knows that. I've talked about Brian Dutcher for about 25 years now. But anyway, uh, we'll see everybody on Monday night. See you.